Hi guys, the the next two episodes that we're doing are pretty troubling and they involve uh, assault and disappearances and maybe murder. So if you're super troubled by these things, just don't listen to it. Welcome to Paranormal Distributions with Connor and Cypress, bringing you spooky stories from the depths of the internet. We kind of sort of believe. So this week, we're going to talk about the suspects in the Springfield 3 case. If you haven't heard last week's episode, I suggest going back and listening to that because you need the context. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you about the suspects from least likely to most likely. We have already talked a little bit about the transient that was reported, but no one ever found that person or interviewed them. So I'm going to cross him off the list as not existing. Me too. Um, next, we have Susie's ex-boyfriend, Dustin Reckla. He was charged with vandalism, vandalism of a mausoleum a few months prior, where he put the skulls of people in trees and then took the gold teeth out of their mouth and sold them to a pawn shop, which is just class act. So he's kind of a, he's kind of a... 17-year-old boy? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Susie had given information to the cops after being brought in that led to him being charged and pleading guilty. Uh, so he does have a reason to be Wait, mad at her. who gave information to the cops? Susie. But Susie was kidnapped. No, no, this is prior. Oh. Like, before okay. graduation. So back when he was doing the vandalism. Back when they were dating a couple months ago. Okay. She had been brought in by the cops and just answered a few questions, and that information led him being arrested for vandalism. Mm -hmm. um, they were no longer dating. So maybe it's possible that he was mad and didn't want her to testify against him in court and kidnapped her. Um, but that just seems very overzealous. Yeah. Also, she wasn't supposed to be at home that night. So how would he know where she was? Yeah. And I think this is a really big question in the case that whoever was kidnapping them was either following them the whole night, following the girls, or meant to only get the mom. Hmm. Because they weren't supposed to be there. Or was acting randomly. Yeah, or is entirely impulsive. But if it was impulsive, they wouldn't know that there hadn't been anyone else in the house. There could have been a father or the brother or a bunch of people. You don't just walk into a house or you don't know who's there and kidnap people. Maybe rob, but not kidnap. Maybe. Right? I mean, we don't know that. I just... It seems unlikely, though. It seems so unlikely. Yeah. So... I'm betting that they only meant to get the mother. 
and then the two girls were also there. Hmm. Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, we can't say for sure. We can't say anything for certain about this case, and that's why it's so frustrating. So who other, what other suspects are there? Well, okay. So when the cops visited Dustin Reckless house, mm-hmm. they found candles and satanic shapes on his mantle. And, you know, this is Springfield, Missouri, deep in the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. So fear of Satanism is a very real thing there. But also he's like a 17-year-old boy and probably listens to Iron Maiden. So... I kind of sympathize with being a creep. And also, like, as a child, I definitely sat in candle circles when I was at home unsupervised. So. <laughs> so if you were. So if I was investigated then, by the police, you would I have would been look a suspect. Super shady. <laughs> Connor. I love encrypting everything, even if it's just rando, like, pictures of cats. <laughs> and I like candles. <laughs> I definitely look like a huge creep. Along with Dustin, there was also Michael Clay, his friend, who was involved with the cemetery goofs that they had. And the police thought maybe they had done it together, Mm -hmm. which I find an attractive idea because if there were two of them... Maybe a little easier. Maybe a little easier to kidnap three fully grown women. Yeah. Also, cemetery goofs seems like such a... (laughs) I mean, they just broke into a mausoleum and tore out people's dead teeth and yeah. put their heads in trees like that's not so bad they didn't hurt anyone it's true they they were only like desecrating graves yeah so <laughs> i mean not nearly whatever. it really isn't nearly on the scale of kidnapping yeah. and murder so like 17 year olds who yeah. have no sense of like mortality or respect for anyone like definitely go after those gold teeth in the cemetery yeah like that's free money that you can buy a shitty shitty beer with yeah, just a tooth for a six-pack is how it works. Yeah, exactly. It's probably more than a tooth for a six-pack. It's a gold teeth. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. get quite a bit of, of booze for of a tooth. Of Natty Light for that. <laughs> We're talking Natty Light? Yeah, okay. like, they're 17. Yeah, like, what okay. Do you, what do you expect? It's <laughs> um, not some some microbrewery Yeah, they're not beer. looking for, like... You're like, give me, give me two gold teeth for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, they want that 30 rack of Natty Light. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we have Robert Cox, this beady-eyed garbage motherfucker who was a trained army ranger who is known to have assaulted and murdered a woman named Sharon Zellers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, let's back up. So Robert Cox is the suspect that we left off on our Last previous week, episode. Who I w- want him to have done this because he's in prison. At the previous episode, we mentioned um, a caller called the police two weeks after the initial investigation had begun. Yep. And mentioned that she knew who had done the crime and she named robert cox now the reason behind her knowing that or her suspecting robert cox is because he fucking murdered her daughter so late one night sharon zellers gets off of work and as she's returning home she is kidnapped and assaulted by robert cox who then murders her and buries their body her body is found 300 feet from 
his motel room and he goes to the doctor the next day with an inch of his tongue cut off. So, which wait. is the nastiest thing. Your tongue doesn't grow back. He just has a short tongue now. That's nasty. It's so nasty. That's such ugh, ugh. So this guy, okay, so this guy is a huge creepazoid. So he <sighs> murdered this Lady. young woman. Yeah. And then buried her body Real close to where he was living. It's clear there was a struggle and she bit off part of his tongue. She bit off part of his tongue. There were boot print evidence. There was blood evidence. He 100% did this and went to jail for it. And every single juror was convinced he was guilty. And the conviction was overturned based on insufficient evidence. So this guy, he goes to he goes to court. They're like, okay, yeah, we got the boot print. Uh, we got an army boot print. You're in the army, and you were wearing army boots when you went to the hospital for your yep. your broken, your severed tongue. With your disgusting severed tongue. And we found a blood match yep. at the scene of the crime with your blood. We found a hair that matches your hair at the scene of the crime. Yup. And someone else has bitten off your tongue. You didn't bite it off, but it looks... Because it's in the wrong way. It's like the direction of someone else biting his tongue off. The yeah. night the crime occurred. And the body was discovered, like, what? 200 feet from your hotel room Literal that you're staying steps. at. And then, and then the Supreme Court says that, the, that they didn't have enough evidence. Yep. So, okay. I looked into this, and I was like, why... Why would the Supreme Court ever say that they don't have enough evidence for... Because he 100% did it? It's like, there's clearly mountains of evidence, right? Yeah. Um, And not only that, it's very rare that the Supreme Court... Does this. ...overturns a conviction. Usually they just request that... Yeah, they request the trial to be, you know, redone. They're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Let's have the lawyers, like, argue it out again. Yeah. But they just straight up said, okay, this guy who has been put on death row for, a, you know, an abduction and a murder is now free to go. And he's been in jail for a while. Um, and he, he's just, you know, got off. Yes. And we let out the wrong people out of jail literally all the time. So the Supreme Court's ruling when I read it, um, it it's strange because at one, it, at first you can think like, this guy totally did it. And then you read the ruling and you're like, it's so hard to, because like oftentimes the law and what you want are like contradictory. And the, and the law says, you know, someone's innocent until proven guilty and not like my world. They don't just have to be, you know, there doesn't just have to be circumstantial evidence showing that they may have done it. There has to be evidence that without a doubt proves that they did it over the alternative, over their alibi. And his blood. So so the Supreme Court looked at it and they said that there was some O-type blood found at the scene of the crime, but about like 40% of the population has O-type blood. So they didn't find that a convincing amount of evidence. That's actually 45% of the world's population. Like- then they, they said, okay, there was his hair matched, right? Yeah. His hair matched a hair found in the abducted woman's car that yeah. didn't that wasn't her hair but then the supreme court said well okay the hair comparison expert testified that it was consistent with cox's hair but hair analysis isn't always That's reliable true. it's pretty shady but like have these people ever heard of conditional probability but then also yeah exactly like, like bayesian you, you just like update the 
update the likelihood with the new given the new evidence yeah right? so the next piece of evidence was there's this boot print and it was from a military type boot and cox was wearing military boots when he went to the hospital with his severed tongue but they the supreme court said well it was actually a non-expert testifying that the boot print appeared to be made by a military type boot and it was never compared directly with his actual boot so they didn't they didn't match it for certain okay then i give them that one they also said a surgical assistant testified that she thought the damage to cox's tongue was more consistent with someone else biting the tongue than him biting it but no such tissue from his tongue was found on the victim fair you would think, you know, maybe if she bit off his tongue, like, it would be in her there mouth. would be a little bit of that tongue in the car or okay. like in her mouth. But they searched the car in her mouth and didn't find it. Oh, that's one that's disgusting. I have so many like that just makes me want to vomit. I know this, this stuff is really gross. So anyway, it's pretty clear that he did it still to at least to all the, the 12 jurors and even the one of the attorneys on the case after the Supreme Court's ruling, um, actually got in trouble because he badmouthed the justices of the Supreme Court, Good. of the state Supreme Court, because he was so mad at their ruling. That's fair. Um, and it's like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, I know this this attorney has certain um, professional decorum or something. Yeah, but yeah. fuck so, professional decorum. You just let a murderer out onto the street. So basically the attorney was pissed and understandably so. This guy was pretty darn suspicious, and it's yeah. very, and it's a very like he got off very very lucky. Yeah. Um. So this guy is at large again. Yeah, he's just living in the world, and he moves to Springfield, Missouri. And the the mother of the person who had, who had been murdered by him like yeah years before. She's a champion, and she found out that he had been released and was keeping track of where he went because he she 100% believed he would do this again. So at this point, she's looking at Springfield thinking, oh God, he's in Springfield now. Let's see what's on the news. And lo and behold, a three-person missing persons case pops up on the TV. Yep. And she calls up those investigators and tells them, I know who exactly did this. And names Robert Cox. Robert Cox is brought in and gives the alibi that on that morning, he was with his girlfriend and his ch- her child taking them to church. Number one, who the fuck dates somebody who was in prison for murder and rape? Who has a child? I don't get it. Uh, there's a lot of people in the world. She believed he was innocent, in which case she's dumb as fuck. Or she makes the world's worst decisions. So, yeah, so they did, she did testify also that they were in church that day, that yep. morning. So the police, they didn't immediately let him go, but he was a lot less of a suspect immediately after that alibi yeah. was released. He was shady and no one liked him, but it didn't seem like he did it. But. Mm-hmm. Fast forward until 1995. This is over 10 years past the original investigation. Oh, 1995. Three years. <laughs> Three years. Um, he's arrested for aggravated bur- burglary, and they look back into his files as a suspect. 
So Robert Cox coming up again as a shady motherfucker. They bring in his girlfriend again, Mm -hmm. who gives another interview and says that shortly before her interview with the police, Cox says, you gotta give me an alibi. And she lied to the police and they were not in church. But this time he says, oh, I was actually at my parents' house. Wait, so she she admitted to lying about his alibi? Yes. Three years ago when she said she, he was in church? Yes. Okay, so three years ago they initially thought he was a suspect. He was pretty suspicious. Mm-hmm. And they let him go. And now he's coming back in because he's done other crimes. Mm-hmm. And the person who had originally testified with for him for his alibi is now saying, oh yeah, I made that up because he told me to. Yep. Oh my God. Okay. So then he's like, oh, I was at my parents. And his parents are like, yep, he was with us. So like, I don't think parental alibis should count. Absolutely not. So, okay. So basically like his girlfriend testified originally then she revoked that. Now yep. his parent. Now it's clear that he's like just gone to someone else and said, "Hey, could you give tell me an them? alibi?" Yeah. Yeah. Because why? Why wouldn't he have said that he was with his parents originally if that was the truth? Like back when he was originally. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not like you were like with somebody. Like it's not like you were like doing something shady and needed to cover it up, unless that's what he was doing. Yeah. Um, maybe he was doing something else that was shady, like selling drugs or murdering a different person. But yeah, my alibi is I was murdering another person. Um, he talks to the police just enough that they keep being interested in him, but he never says anything incriminating. Yeah. One of the, one of the things, the reasons that he's such a suspect is he's his previous, like his past convictions were really shady right yeah but and so he's he's had a history of being in jail he actually served nine years for the um conviction where he was you know the original murder and abduction that Mm -hmm. he was convicted for um before he was let go by the supreme court and so he's clearly had like a criminal past oh yeah and not only that but whenever the police pull him in for questioning he's always smiling like slyly yeah and this is no joke the newspaper said he was smiling slyly and almost joking at them as if he as if he was taunting them he messes with them for attention like a goddamn psychopath in a movie so is this someone who is just wanting extra attention hasn't done anything but is trying to mess with the police or is it someone who's actually guilty so that's what people think people think that he didn't actually do this and he just wants the notoriety from it Mm -hmm. but like if you got a supreme court thing overturned like i would change my name and melt into the background and never mention it again yeah he's clearly kind of messed up he's fucked he says shit like i know that they're dead to the police and the police are like how do you know that thinking like oh fuck we got this guy yeah and then he's like well if i tell them then they're gonna arrest me so i can't tell you how i know they're dead well he's like i just know and you're like you're a fuck boy and i hate you later on they asked him or he he actually told them i know where they're buried yeah and you're never going to find them yeah you're never gonna find their bodies and when questioned about it they were like well where 
where are they buried? He said, well, you know, if you, if I tell you where they're buried, then you're going to arrest me because that will be enough. Uh, that will be enough evidence to arrest me. Yeah. So this guy is basically being an asshole, a complete asshole. He and would. not only that, if he was, if he didn't do it, he's, he's just providing false leads. Yeah, he's wasting their time. He's wasting their time from finding the actual Murderer. person who did it. Yeah. He says shit like, the person who did this had experience and knew what they were doing, and the three women who went missing are buried close to Springfield. And he worked with Stacy McCall's dad Ooh. at a used car lot. And he could have seen Stacy there and followed her and, mar- and decided to murder her. Yeah, if he knew her dad. He worked with her father. Another thing is he says that in the summer of 1992, when when they were murdered, he was working as a locator at SM&P Conduit Incorporated. They locate and mark underground utilities. Oh, and shit. That's Connor, like... remember back when there was an anonymous no. handwritten note that the police found that mentioned someone calling someone pretending there was a gas leak also to lure them out of the house also what do construction sites need what do they need connor people to lay shit underground oh my god wait so back when you were talking about the The uh, garage the garage with the concrete yeah he could have very easily been on that garage that construction site Buried the bodies somewhere, and then the construction workers just fucking pour over it and don't know. So, okay, like, if there's a murder board in front of us right now, there's a ton of red, like, just all the red yarn is, like, going yarn. straight to him. Yeah. It's going, like, to the to the construction site. Which he could be, like, oh, God. To that handwritten note that they found. On the plus side, he is now in jail for life for aggravated burglary. So, just, this guy just is in prison forever and i hope he dies there yeah also like if he knew the father who would do that to somebody they know when he's getting pulled into the police and he's fucking with the police and saying that shit he knew that girl's dad that's so messed up also it would be really easy for him to get access to cars probably so not only did he work for this conduit company that locates and marks underground utilities when questioned about it, he said, quote, I have done locates all over Springfield. I have done work in the area where the house abduction occurred. What? Yeah. So he... He knew the inside of the house. Well, no. He knew he knew the neighborhood. And okay. He's, he's worked as a utilities person in that neighborhood, oh. is what he was saying. During the summer, they were abducted. I hate this. Yeah, because there's not enough evidence. There's just not enough. The, also, the, they did. He was a strong suspect, and one of the uh, one of the sergeants was quoted as saying, "Quote: All our eggs are not in Cox's basket. We're looking at a lot of different people, and if tomorrow we had a lead and solved the case, and it wasn't Cox, I wouldn't be surprised. But clearly, he was incriminated yeah. due to a lot of things, due to a lot of history, and usually." It's not his M.O. to be good at this shit. Yeah, he's not like the criminal mastermind type. Yeah. He clearly wants people to think that he's smarter than they are. Yeah. But his first murder, he fucking buried her. It was kind of like a sloppy, violent thing. Like, 
it's like when you imagine a murder like being happening that's like okay yeah that's what would happen yeah, like this whereas was like, this this case is like complete mystery and very slick very yeah subtle and strange i don't know what the best case scenario is for this case yeah they've been gone since nine, like 25 years at this point if they're alive somewhere like is that better I mean, back in 2002, the family of Cheryl and Susie, yeah. the mom and the daughter, um, officially declared her deceased. Yeah. Both of them deceased. They, they have, have pretty much given up the search for their... The, l- or the hope alive. that they are still alive. But Stacy's family has has vowed to never, never stop searching. Until Good job, Janus. They find a body. There was another suspect that I did skip. This is the person that I think is, I don't believe he did it at all. And that's Cheryl's son, Susie's brother. Mm-hmm. He's nine years older than Susie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, alcoholism ran in their family. And at 17, he became an alcoholic and moved out of Cheryl's house because he didn't want to follow her rules, which is like a normal 17 year old thing. And when he moved back to Springfield, when Susie was in high school, they actually lived together in an apartment separate from their mother, which I think is a little weird, but I guess maybe like rent is cheap enough there that you can like do it on a part-time job. Yeah. Um, But they had a really large fight because he drank so much, like enough that they were like throwing things at each other. Oh, wow. So serious. Yeah. Like a serious fight. Um, And she moves back home with her mother and they cut him out of their life because mm-hmm. he needs help and isn't getting it and refuses to get it. And they disappear before he can make amends. And I don't think he did it because they the police call him up and he comes down to the station and he cooperates fully and doesn't is very invested in getting this solved. Yeah, he doesn't sound that suspicious after... Yeah, like he's an alcoholic, but that doesn't mean anything about what kind of a person he is. Yeah, He very clearly, from the interviews in the investigation discovery piece on it, like, he loved his mom and his sister. Yeah, that's more of just a really unfortunate, sad sad story for him. Yeah. Same with, like, the mother who some people say is really sketchy, of Stacy mm-hmm. because she erased that phone message. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind that she is entirely innocent. The way she talks about her daughter, she talks about her, like, being gone for more years than she was alive. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, like, oh my god, I can't imagine losing her baby like that. She was supposed to go to college. Like, she'd been congratulating herself, like, we did high school, right? And she's going to college. And then the day after, she disappears. Like, fuck. She was going to go to college with Janelle, actually. Yeah, they were going to go to college together and maybe join the same sorority. Like, these girls had their whole lives ahead of them. What should we... Should we end on, like, a positive note? There is no positive note in but this Connor, case. But, Connor, we have to. <laughs> well, because I think that... the. These kind of missing persons cases 
are scary because what's it, like what's the best case scenario? They're living somewhere happily in Canada. Yeah, they all decided to take an emergency van, green van trip down up to Canada. And they just let all of their family members suffer for 25 years. Yeah. Like, that's the best you can hope for in this case. Or they lost their phone number so they couldn't get in touch. Or and then they, they forgot what house they lived in so they couldn't go back. Were abducted by aliens or they lost their memory. I think or... the best case scenario is actually the alien abduction because then they like get to live on an alien planet in, in luxury or something. Yeah. And like when they come back, they haven't aged at all. And like. Yeah. They, they're like gone. the miracles of alien science. Yeah. And like they it, get reunited they, they with their family. They only they've been gone for a day. Like, and and or... they get to live out their lives how they originally. Planned, yeah. Except like... they also had that wonderful vacation alien vacation yeah and like they get to go to college and to hairdressing school and everything is fine there's just i just hate this case because the investigators feel really bad the family feels bad there's zero closure one of the officers was actually quoted saying it's not good to be remembered for something that you didn't complete because that is his legacy is he's remembered for leading a case that was never solved yeah like the quotes from these officers are heartbreaking there's one guy who said they had their baby girl stolen and they wanted her back we were responsible for getting her back i'll never forget janice looking at me in the eyes and saying you have to promise me you'll bring my baby girl home. And they just weren't able to, and they tried everything. And that's our episode, folks. Thanks for listening, and... Bye! Bye for... <laughs> is that good? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. This is your fault. That was not good. No, it's not my fault. You also wanted to look at this one. It's true. <laughs> Next week, we have to do something really cheery. Yeah, like a goofy... Um, like a funny monster. Like, a, what was the... <laughs> the Jersey Devil. Yeah, like we need another Jersey the long Devil leg, The skinny long legs. Little bird legs. I felt so good after that. Hi, listeners. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also go to our website, paradistpod.com, or email us at paradistpod at gmail.com. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Hi guys, next week we promise to do something nice. Maybe a zany monster.